G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. I'm your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to my cousin, Erin Wanganine. Erin, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, so one of the things I like to ask all of our guests as we get started is, what did we interrupt in your day today? What would you normally be doing at this time of day, which right now is a Saturday in August? Uh, I'd probably, I'm usually just at home on a Saturday or catching up with my sisters. So, yeah, not interrupting too much today. Whereabouts are you recording from? I'm actually at my sister's house because I live out in the sticks and the reception is not too good. So I thought I'd better come in to town for this so that I've got some good connection. <laughs> your sister. Uh, so Erin has got a few sisters. Tell us about your sister's. I have an older sister, we've got the same dad, different mum, and then I'm the eldest of my parents' children. So then I've got three younger sisters, myself, Rebecca, and then we've got twin sisters, Kate and Emma. And I'm at Emma's house today. Who's your favourite? They're all my favourite. <laughs> um, so... Erin, I've got a lot to talk to you about. Obviously, this is really interesting because I've never actually interviewed a family member. So I don't know where to start really because I know everything. Uh, I think yeah. I know everything. I probably know 99% of things. Um, so tell me a little bit about you. I'll tell the listeners a little bit about you and how you ended up where you ended up now. Well, uh, we'll go back to the very start, I suppose, um, to when I first got into sport or um, athletics. Uh, started off actually as a surf lifesaver, as a beach sprinter, and then um, as part of that, got some coaching uh, down at the local high school and really fell in love with sprinting. So moved on from beach sprints to um, athletics training and yeah I was always a really fast kid so just naturally went into sprinting 100 meters and 200 meters then I I think uh, as a young teenager up to maybe 15 16 I was training for six days a week at the track and then kind of burnt out I think as you become an older teenager you're desires and wants change so started you know focusing more on school and then turned 18 wanted to go to town and um, have fun with friends so kind of dropped off the um, sports scene um, then become a mum and really like created an inactive life for myself um, as an adult and more recently, uh, the end of 2021, I got diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 36. So that was a big shock to my system and just spent all of 2022 going through cancer treatment, actually had five surgeries over the course of 2022. So have had a lot of recovery and now I'm past like the hardcore treatment phase of breast cancer. I'm more looking towards how do I actually become an active adult? How do I integrate activity into my life post-cancer? And more looking at, at it as not a short-term 
goal, but to be active um, more as a lifelong activity plan. So, yeah, so I've actually hit you up because I want to get into distance running, um, which I was, yeah, from sprinting to distance running, I always felt that I was not a good distance runner and it was all around the breathing. I just couldn't, could not get the breathing right. But I thought, you know what, I'm just going to train at it and I'm sure I'll become good at it. Well, you know what? So this is a little bit of a coaching call as well at the same time as being um, just like an interview. So I, I hear that a lot. You know, people say, oh, I can't I can't breathe when I'm running. Uh, I don't know how to do the breathing. I can't do the breathing. You know, help me with my breathing, um, which it's such a simple thing, breathing. We do it all day long, every day. It's, we do it our entire life, obviously. Um, and we should be able to do it when we're running. We should be used to running because we're built to run. We're typically built to do long, slow endurance sort of running and then like short bursts of energy, uh, short bursts of like sprints. Um, so essentially fight like type training. <coughs> so the thing with running, you know, people say I struggle with breathing when I'm running. One of the best things that I always talk about and people eventually get sick of me saying this and I really hope they do is jump in the pool and swim. Swimming is one of the best things that you can do. And there's a whole bunch of different reasons why swimming is great for aerobic conditioning or cardiovascular endurance, uh, which I'll, I'll get into. But one of the things with practicing your breathing while you're swimming is that you've got your face in the water. So when you're running, your face is out in air and you can breathe whenever you want. You can take air in and blow it out whenever you want, through your nose, through your mouth. Another question that's all, always asked is, do I breathe in through my nose and out through my nose the whole time? Like, how do I breathe? When do I breathe through my mouth? Typically, the more you can breathe through your nose, the better. There's a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, reasons why nose breathing is really effective. I'm not going to go into it right here, but if you're interested, head over to my blog and read that at jacobandre.com forward slash blog and then search up um, nose breathing or nasal breathing. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why nasal breathing is effective. But when you are running, you can't get enough oxygen in through your nose and back out through your nose. So you might breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Um, as you're starting to run. But then once you get to a point where your heart rate increases, your breathing, breathing rate increases, you are going to have, you're not gonna be able to get enough air in through your nose. So you are going to have to swap to your mouth and breathe in and out through your mouth. You might be using a little bit of nose as well, but don't be afraid if you are breathing in and out through your mouth when you've been told that nose breathing is really effective because the reason why is that you just simply can't get enough oxygen in and out through your nose when you've got that increased respiratory rate. The other thing with swimming is that when you are running, you've got your face, as I said, you've got your head out of water, you're in air and you can breathe whenever you want. But when you're in swimming and you're doing freestyle, your face is in the water. So you can only breathe when you lift your head out of the water. So it is effective for teaching that because you are putting your face down, you swim, you might take three, two strokes, three strokes, four strokes, whatever, and then uh, take a breath. I'm a big fan of bilateral breathing, which means breathing out of both sides because I just feel like uh, there, you know, you can get tight on one side of your body when you're always twisting to one side, same as like single-sided sports like tennis, hockey, golf, uh, cricket, for example, uh, so that sw turning to both sides, being able to turn on both sides is effective for keeping the body balanced. Uh, and so then if you're breathing every, say, three breaths uh, every three strokes then you can put your face down take three strokes 
twist, take a breath, face down, blow it all out. So you're getting better also by, so not only by only breathing when you're lifting your head out, by teaching your body to breathe in a rhythmic pattern, you are also encouraging your body to hang on to oxygen in the body for longer. So by putting your face in the water and blowing that air out, that other oxygen, which is in the cardiovascular system being sent around the bloodstream is in there in the system for longer. And then as a result, being able to get to more of the working muscles. So from yeah. there, you can then extend that out. And we're getting into hypoxic type training now. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but the thing with swimming training is why it's so effective apart from all of that. And the main reason why it's so great for aerobic endurance is that when your body is in water, there's pressure against it. So when it's out in space and we're walking around, there's air pressure, but we live in it, we're used to it. When you go into water, the water is literally crushing you. It's pushing against your body and your body has to push back against it. And so as a result, the way when you're breathing, the oxygen goes in and there's other chemicals as well, nitrogen and some carbon dioxide, but oxygen goes in through the mouth and nose, goes down into the lungs, uh, goes out to the alveoli, which is this tiny little uh, sacs at the end of the lungs, the last little point where it then diffuses from the lung through the capillary wall and into the bloodstream. It then gets traveled around the body. It gets a uh, use for uh, energy, that oxygen, carbon dioxide get, gets picked up. And then that comes back, that carbon dioxide diffuses back through the blood capillary wall into the lungs for it to be breathed out. So because you're being squashed, there's less space in and around the lungs for that process, that diffusion of oxygen and carbon dioxide across the blood capillary wall. And because there's less space, it just simply becomes more efficient at that transfer of oxygen and carbon dioxide through the capillary wall. And as a result, you become that increased efficiency of that process you become more aerobically fit. So that's the most simple reason why swimming is so great, apart from also teaching you rhythmic breathing and breathing uh, while you're exercising. So well, how did I get onto that? What did you uh, I think because I said I was, I struggled, I always felt like I struggled to breathe doing yeah. long distance, but what actually made me feel like I could actually learn to breathe and, and actually train myself to run long distance is radiation therapy so as part of radiation therapy um because i had uh because i had breast cancer in the left side um, of my chest um that's where it's close to the heart so as part of radiation therapy they had to train me to take in these like fill my lungs to a certain capacity and then hold my breath for every time that I was getting um, the radiation go in. So as part of that, they would peg my nose. I'd have a snorkel in my mouth and then um, uh, I would have to take deep breaths in and then hold my breath for up to a minute sometimes. Um, and then at the very start of it, so I had five weeks of radiation and at the very start of it, it was so hard to actually hold my breath for that amount of time. I was like dizzy because it was like my brain was being starved of oxygen. And actually by the end of the five weeks, it was so easy. And I just felt like my lungs had so much more capacity than they did, capacity to hold air in than they did before. So I was like, okay, well, just in five weeks, I've been able to train my lungs. So I should be able to you know, get into running. 
Yeah, have you ever done um, the Wim Hof breathing? Don't think so. So uh, do you know who Wim Hof is? No. No, so uh, I didn't think that. So Wim Hof is this uh, Dutch guy who is crazy in terms of being able to do cold water plunges, like he goes into cold water for ridiculous amounts of time. He's able to like really lower his heart rate, his breathing rate, stay in this really cold, freezing conditions for extended periods of time and do all this crazy stuff with his body, like swim underneath water for a long period of time. Uh, so he does like um, the cold stuff, but he also does this stuff around breathing. And so, and side note, the reason why he got into all this stuff is that his wife actually committed suicide. And he was so distraught from that and in so much pain that he kind of figured like he was just in this really depressed state and he kind of figured there's nothing that could hurt him anymore. So living in the Netherlands, he went out into the cold and I think he was just out in wilderness and he just kind of dealt with the pain, the freezing pain, and he kind of just figured there's, there's no pain that can supersede what I'm experiencing right now. And so that's why he just started to do it. And then as a result, he did more and more of it, realised he could do it, realised he could really push his body. People discovered it. Scientists wanted to study him. And then he started teaching people how to do this stuff. So he has a whole bunch of different videos on YouTube, which I highly recommend people uh, check out. Wim Hof, W-I-M, Wim, and then Hof, H-O-F. Um, and he also has an app, which I uh, subscribe to. It's $10 a month, which is expensive for an app, but it's the best money you'll ever spend on an app. And in that, you do this breathing where you can choose different rates. I do the 30, so you breathe in and out 30 times and you follow his voice and, he, and the tones. You can have them switched on or off. And then so he's like in, out, in, out. And you follow this and you can change the, the rate of that as well between three different levels, so slow, medium, uh, fast. And then at the end, you breathe all the air out and you hold your breath for as long as you possibly can. It is the most relaxing, I do it for meditation, it's the most relaxing thing you can ever do. You would think that it's crazy to be holding your breath uh, and that's going to be relaxing. But yeah. when you finish, you are so relaxed, it's ridiculous. So I, I recommend And I think also it's also going to help you with your like lung capacity as well. Anyone who's into anything aerobic or just wants to improve their um, lung capacity, it's an effective tool to do for training. Like I, I was getting to the point where so I was holding my breath for like – consistently over two minutes um and then when i was getting to like i was trying to break my records and stuff like that just, my record was over three minutes and you get to that point where you're getting around three minutes and for me like that was my limit and i started like shaking like convulsing um it's kind of scary because i was usually doing it at home by myself um so be careful doing that but um apparently from one of the guys that i've trained who does ultra events so he's just done the catherine ultra challenge which is like over six hours worth of exercise uh, of racing uh, he was saying that if you can get through that point it becomes like you get to this point of like nirvana like it's almost like you're on drugs uh, this sensation uh and yeah he said it's really cool um but yeah regardless of getting to that point just that breathing teaching you to breathe is going to improve your your um, breathing is going to improve your heart. It's going to, you know, like in, improve you in being able to run, for example, long distances. Um, but it's also just so relaxing. So mentally it's really effective as well. Yeah, I've been actually um, looking at some meditation things because I find that very interesting. So I, I do see like bringing it back to your breath and things like that um, is something that I'm seeing a lot more. Yeah. Now that I'm looking more into health and wellness, and yeah, 
Yeah. So how, why do you think that you, so you talk about having breast cancer and having radiation. Why do you think you got breast cancer? I don't know, to be honest. Um, breast cancer, like there's a really high rate of breast cancer and I feel like or well, since I, I've come across more and more younger people that are getting it. It could be due to the foods, our environment, I think maybe could be due to lack of um, movement and just the lifestyles that we live. And then there's also like the genetic side. Um, I, my grandmother on my dad's side had breast, was diagnosed with breast cancer later in her life. So it, it is in the family. I did have genetic testing done just to um, rule out, you know, for my kids and my, my sisters and I didn't have the genes. So I was just one of those one in eight or one in seven unlucky women that um, do get that get it but yeah I don't know but all I know is it's I don't see it as um, uh, I, I look at it as actually I've got a new lease of life from having breast cancer because it's changed the way that I think I, ne I feel like I never actually knew pain until having going through the surgeries and going through the chemo and the radiation um, there was one week where I couldn't eat because my esophagus was burnt on the inside and it was just so painful that I couldn't even really talk at the time. Um, it hurt to drink water. And I just think going through these things has made me realise what I used to think were barriers for me were ac are actually not barriers. And I think, um, yeah... It just has opened me up to a new way of thinking. I'm actually so thankful for life that I don't want to waste it now. I want to use it to push myself and see where I can go. Do you think you're grateful for having had breast cancer? Yes and no. Like, it sucks that I had to have that to actually make me realise. But, yes, I'm, I'm grateful for where I am now and the way that I see the world and life and death. Where do you sit now with breast cancer? Like, where are you on the recovery journey? So I, the type of cancer that I had, had was a hormone one. So it um, grew from like estrogen. So I'm, I'm going to be on like hormone blocking medication for up to seven years. Um, and then I'm on a chemo tablet. So I'm still on chemo, but just in a tablet form. And it's, it's much better than, you know, the, having it in the drip because um, I'm able to just live my normal life, whereas previously I'd be sick for a few days after. But, yeah, now I'm back at work full time. Um, yeah, I'm being able to be more active. I still have those days where my body feels really, really tired and um, like my gut, I think my gut health is probably needs to be rewired because of all the drugs. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm I'm on the I'm on the uh, I'm on the up now. Yeah, physically. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, what do you mean by physically? Like physically, so, like I'm able. I feel like going through chemo it makes your body so weak to the point where it's you, you struggle to, like I would have struggled to walk around Casuarina for any long period of time. That's a shopping centre. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, like you just can't eat properly. You lose taste actually, so there's no enjoyment. It's like your enjoyment in things is gone. Like I had no enjoyment in food. And it just makes you realise, oh, you just actually need food to fuel your body, not to, like, overindulge. Um, but, yeah, I think um, physically after chemo, you realise how weak you can get. Um, I think September last year was when I had my last surgery, so my fifth surgery for the year. And at that point, like, I had no hair, I was just so weak. I had no, like, I just had no desire to do anything. And now I'm just, uh, yeah, feel, I feel a lot stronger. I feel like I'm getting stronger and stronger all the time. Um, going back to work full time, the first month was just, I couldn't get through a full week of being at work in the office. Um, and then from the fifth week, it's just like my body just got stronger and then that's when I thought, okay, I, I can do this. I might reach out to Jacob now and see if there's anything I can do to get me active. And actually starting the program that I started with you last week was my first week. And I can tell you the first day I did a 4K walk and a little bit of jogging but mainly walking. By the time I got back to my car, I could barely walk. Then come to the to Sunday, so that was Monday, then get to Sunday, I've got to do an 8K, and I was feeling like super strong. I went and did the 8K. By the 6K, I was breathing like my breath. It was like I was on a cloud. So I thought, oh, I'm going to jog. I'm going to jog this next, the 7th K. And I jogged like a lot of it. Maybe I jogged for 800 metres, which is a lot for my body. Um, and it just felt so amazing that I, I just actually couldn't believe just what you can do in one week if you're consistent, I suppose, because every day after work I was training. Um, and even that just changed the way I sleep. Like, yeah change the way I get up in the morning, you know, instead of hitting the alarm over and over, snoozing it. It's like you're up, ready to go. So you're saying that exercise was the best medication? Yep. <laughs> um, definitely, so you, definitely, it definitely helps. Yeah. So medication you, you actually makes you feel sick, but being out in nature and getting, <coughs> being out in the sun, getting the fresh air, um, it's kind of like, it's a different type of medicine. It's like medicine for your soul, I think, you need, and you need it. Yeah, I'm glad you said soul because you said before you felt like you are on the way, on the up physically, um, and I questioned it because I was intrigued what you meant by that. But what about like um, spiritually, 
physically, uh, uh, emotionally, um, mentally, socially? What about all the other elements of health? Not just physical. I think um, I feel like all, the whole way through my um, cancer journey, I feel like I've had a positive mindset. I was always looking to when that would be finished and I'd be able to create my new life um, because I immediately I felt like my life can never go back to how it was because maybe that's what led me to being here, like led me to the chemo chair. Um, so I need to actually radically change my life in the future. This is how I was thinking when I was deep in cancer. I needed to change my life in the future so that I, I would I would know deep inside my heart that I gave life a good crack. Um, and I think coming along with that, um, you need to incorporate, um, you know, your, your spiritual side um, as well. It's not just... It's not just physical because I think a lot of the time our minds can get in the way of us actually doing the activity. <coughs> so I've kind of going into this looking at it, if I just do the activity, then the rest will fall into place. Yeah. So the domino, I talk about the domino um, so the one thing that if you knock that over, it'll knock over the majority of the other dominoes in terms of goal setting. So you're saying that in terms of just health, uh, you getting healthy and happy again and stuff, it was all about the, the domino being the physical activity. Yes. That, yeah, that's how I feel now um, because, because I've started, you know, the activity, I can see that uh, already just – in the time that I've been doing the program, um, I can already see the benefits. And it's not just me, it's my partner as well. So he's coming along after having to hold down the fort for a year and, you know, deal with all the financial stress and everything of me not working and holding everything together while looking after me. I think that can be hard to come out of on their side. Um, so... Just me getting active is also making uh, and putting an effect on to onto them. Yeah. Um, you said that your esophagus was burning. Was that from the radiation? Yeah. Yeah. So the radiation burnt me on the inside. Is that normal? Um, for that area, because they uh, radiate all the way up to the lymph nodes um, in your neck. So because of where my cancer was, they radiate, yeah, all different different areas for where different lymph nodes are. Yeah. So, so you saying you don't really know where cancer comes from. It could be any number of things. How Though I'm interested in your lifestyle because you were saying that before you had cancer, how were you living your life before that all happened? Um. Well, leading up to it, I was just pretty much doing everything for my kids. So we would be waking up in the morning, going to work and school, straight after school, we'd be going to footy training, athletics training, whatever sports they were doing. 
get home late at night. Generally, I would cook all of my dinners within 30 minutes in a pressure cooker. And then we'd have all of our dinners with rice, white rice and stew pretty much, or, you know, white rice and um, white rice and like a stir fries, like chicken or whatever, whatever I could get into the pressure cooker to cook up in 30 minutes, that's what we would have for dinner. And a lot of the time takeaway as well um, on the way home from trainings. So I think I just never put my, I never put myself in like first, it was always, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, we've got to be here, we've got to be there. So <clears throat> it was more, I'll just do whatever I need to do for myself later. Yeah. So, so you are doing a lot of running around after the kids and you're talking about sport a lot. Um, were you physically active yourself? Unless I was, like, being a goal umpire or... Um, filling up water bottles, that was as bad as active as I got, other than driving and unpacking the car. I would be the parent on the sidelines just watching. Um, I feel like I was mentally drained and being kind of in a mental fog. And that's where I say that <clears throat> what I thought was painful actually wasn't because then going through cancer treatment it actually puts into perspective just, uh, I suppose, like the way that we think. Um, the way I thought before, I would, I would have thought like running water for my kids or going for a walk around, going for a 5K walk of an afternoon, nah, I'm too tired for that. By the time I got home, you know, I, I could have gone for walks while my kids were training, but no, I'd just sit there and watch them. And I don't know if that's a little bit of uh, copycatting because that's what my mum would do. She would come down and watch me train. And I feel like I do a lot of the same things as what she did. So, yeah, that's where I'm changing things up now. <laughs> So what about like a, a mother that's listening who goes, yeah, but I want to sit there and watch my kids. I get enjoyment from that uh, and I feel guilty if I go and exercise, but, you know, I drop them off and then I go and, you know, just say it's at Marara in Darwin at the sporting complex and then I go and walk a lap of the Bala Road, like a 2K loop or you do two lots of it and you do whatever, 4K. What about that? What, what do you say to them? I think now looking back, I would say, if it was me talking to myself, I would say, your kid deserves you to be um, healthy. And, you know, they'll, they'll want you to be looking after yourself and be healthy. Yeah, you can watch them, but you can, there's still time. You'll still have time to see them and what they're doing, yeah. as well as looking after yourself. So, um, yeah, uh, my daughter now is getting to an age where I stopped um, athletics and all of that. So I'm looking more into her future thinking, do I want her to be doing what I've done? Because I can just easily picture her 
doing exactly what I did at that age. Um, whereas I would love for my kids to look at exercise and being active as a lifestyle and um, a way of life rather than just a short-term, for a short-term short competition. Yeah, um, I'm actually struggling to talk a little bit now because you're making me emotional. I'm thinking about a few different things. Um, I've never actually got emotional like that apart from like laughing emotion uh, on the podcast. But yeah, you're making me think and there's some stuff there that was really powerful in what you said. Um, so so what, do, what do you hope for your kids? You've got two kids who like how old are they right now and tell us a bit about them and what they're doing. What do you hope for that? I've got two kids. My son's 13. My daughter's 16. She'll be 17 in December. They're both actually at boarding school in Victoria. So they live away from home. And they're, they're pretty active. Like they do their basketball and um, football. And um, my daughter went down to that school actually because she was a fast runner just like me. Um, when and uh, she went and ran in a race, she went and ran in the store gift um, in 2021. And there was a, an athletics coach there at the store gift that works at school that they go to now who invited us to go and tour the school. And you know, she can come and join this running program. And the funny thing is, is she's gone down there, but she's never once joined the running program. Because I feel like maybe she doesn't actually have a love for running. It's just, it's great that she's been able to use it as a stepping stone to get into a nice school and have all these other other opportunities. But she's fallen more into the football scene, which is fine. Um, yeah, for them, I hope that they just um, just bypass the bypass the lazy phase. And When's just, the lazy phase? What's the lazy phase? I think phase? the lazy phase could, for me was like late teenage years, early 20s, um, yeah, where you're just really focusing on nothing to do with your health or well, me. Um, I, I would love for them to just bypass that and just look at me, how I am now, and just think, oh, yeah, mum's doing a mar half marathon next year. We should you know, join in or something. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned half marathon next year. Uh, do you have any ideas of where and when exactly? I want to do the uh, Gold Coast half marathon because I've got a friend that lives in the Gold Coast and I recently went there in May this year. And um, while I was there, I saw a lot of signage and things that it was coming up and um, I just thought, you, you know, how good would it be if I went from not, no activity at all to being able to complete a half marathon? I'd, I'm sure I'll be in tears when it does happen, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I'd love to do the Gold Coast. And also um, a couple of years back I looked at the going to Uluru for the Outback Marathon um, and one of our family members actually just did it. So... That's inspired me again to want to want to do that. Who was that? 
um, I know Kirsty. the answer, but I'm just saying. Yeah, that was our, I don't know if he's our cousin, uncle. Kirsty, our, Kirsty both, yeah. Kirsty our, both, our mom, yeah. So our mums are sisters and yeah. their first cousin is her husband, if you yeah. can follow that. So, yeah. Yeah. so her husband, Glenn, both, is first cousins with our mums. Um, yeah. yeah, so Kirsty's just done that. So. That would be awesome. So when is that? I don't even know when that's on. When's that on? That was in July, just after Territory Day. So it's it's around the similar time to the Gold Coast one. So I'd have to pick one. Yeah. I think I'll start with the Gold Coast, and then um, yeah, and then do that one. I'd love to end up being one of these people that just travel around and go and do different runs in different countries. You might be able to undo the Boston Marathon or the New York Marathon one day and do the maybe. I actually, I actually did go to the Boston Marathon in 2019 and watched and, yeah, it was like shivers. I was actually watching the winner of the Boston Marathon cross the line on the big screen at the baseball when I was watching the Red Sox and that, I had goosebumps all over me. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny, like, long, that's a good thing about long distance running is like sprinting. I don't want to say people can't sprint anymore as they get older because everyone should be able to do everything, you know, for as long as, you know, until they're, you know, technically old. Um, you know, if you live to 80, 90, whatever, you should be still – I think – I truly believe this is how I want to live my life is to be as physically able as possible. Um, and so I want to continue doing anything. I think where people come unstuck is they stop doing things. And that's why they say, oh, no, you, oh, I'm 50 now, oh, I'm 60 now, I'm 70 now, I can't sprint, oh, I can't jump whatever i think it's because they stopped doing it yes there's some of it where it's wear and tear on the body um but i think everyone should be where possible continuing to do those athletic you know activities like you know sprinting at 100 percent and jumping and all that kind of thing um but because long distance running isn't as taxing in terms of like sprinting uh people are able to do it this you still get wear and tear obviously and all that kind of thing but uh, and running isn't always great on your body which is why you do need to have the strength training to underpin what you're going to ask of your body in the running so anyway with that said i i love how people can do long distance running you don't really see people doing it with sprinting they don't go traveling around the world sprinting at all these different events but they go oh i'm going to do the half i'm going to do a, a 10k and then i'm going to do a half marathon and then i'm going to do a marathon whatever it might be they might build up like that some people just go fat straight for a full marathon to begin with. But then they end up traveling around the country and then traveling around the world and doing all these events, you know. So you could do park runs all around the world, which is 5K everywhere around the world. You can even, I'm pretty sure there's a park run in, in Antarctica. And then, you know, you could do the half marathon or the marathon, you know, like you said, in Central Australia, on the Gold Coast, in Melbourne, in Singapore, in Boston. And I love how people can do that. And you, end, you can end up, some people actually take their family holidays just choosing where the next event is going to be so they can go there for the event and then have a holiday afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, Could you see yourself doing that? Definitely. I definitely, one of my goals now is to uh, see the world a bit more, um, work on my financial situation. So I'm coming out of a financial hole at the moment. Um, after not working for 18 months. Um, uh, so, yeah, and definitely one of our um, things that we're putting on our list that we're dedicating our 
uh, money to is travel. So I'll definitely be looking for um, different events that I'll, I'll train to go to. Um, but going back to what you were saying about uh, people, you, you feel like people should be able to do things, activity going into old age, I think part of the problem is when you stop, your mind overtakes. So when I stopped, um, you know, having an active lifestyle and when I thought of getting back into it, I would start and then I would stop because I was thinking that, oh, I can't do this anymore, like I'm too far gone. And I think having cancer has given me the opportunity to actually start from the very bottom again because of how weak you do get. It's like, okay, it's kind of like a baby learning to walk where they fall over and then they'll just keep trying. Um, I think when you're coming back from being in an unactive lifestyle, you have to kind of think of yourself as a baby learning to walk because you're going to come across so many um, obstacles that like injury or um, just like your mental state, uh, mental toughness, I suppose. And that's why I say just do the activity and the mental side will follow. Yeah, that's interesting. So because you go so far back, you go back to square one, it's easier in a way. So you probably kind of said it, but maybe you can expand on it. What would you say to someone who hasn't gone all the way back where they are still living, you know, um, their life, but they want to do something, they want to become more active, but they don't have that, they haven't got cancer, for example. They've just... Maybe they are a little bit overweight. Maybe just say that maybe they're like, let's just say 10, 20, 30, whatever kilo, overweight. They're in a sedentary job. They are running after their kids, being there for their kids, taking the kids to training, taking the kids to, to games and competitions and not a lot of time for themselves because this is typical of a lot of women, particularly between yeah. the ages of like 30 and like 50, um, yeah. running after their kids. Like someone who hasn't been stripped away to that point of like cancer what do you say to someone like that how do they go about it i would say just allow yourself to fail because i think sometimes we stop because we're scared of what other people we're, we're thinking in our head oh people are thinking oh why is she doing that for um she's not going to be able to she won't do it. She won't get to the end. She'll quit or something. Like, just let yourself fail. Let yourself get injured. Like, push yourself, I suppose, and then see where you go. And if it's to do with weight, I've been someone that's, like, I've been overweight since probably the last 12 years. And I would do diets. I've gone from looking at, weight now to looking at activity don't look at it as how much weight can you lose look at it as how strong you feel Mm. yeah so interesting you say that because so i have these qualifying questions if i'm going to work with someone so i initially started to do this in these wellness consultations when i was doing in-person small group fitness classes and I would do this wellness consultation and I could tell who was more, most likely going to be successful and who likely wasn't. And uh, 
now I, I actually use it as a qualifying process to see who I want to work with and who I don't want to work with because I don't think they're ready yet. And one of the things is I've never actually never said this publicly before is usually they have had multiple attempts and failed. Um, so that's something that I'm looking for that they've had multiple attempts, not to say that you can't um, try first time and be successful. That certainly can happen. Um, but knowing my audience, the people who come to me, who are, who are attracted to me to be their coach, they typically have had multiple attempts. I, don't, I haven't narrowed down on the number, like the real exact number, whether it's been three, four, five, six, but they've had multiple attempts. The other thing is that they are using words like, you know, because they've had multiple attempts, this is no longer about weight loss, for example, for me. It's not about the results. It's about this is just a lifestyle thing. I want to do this for a lifestyle. I, because if you say I want to lose 20 kilos, well, ultimately what you're saying is, you 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 need to if you want to achieve that you need to change your behaviors and people don't come saying that hey get jacob i want you to train me because i want to change you know like the i want to start training five days a week i want to start eating you know more vegetables they don't say that but that's what they need to do that person who is living the way that they want to live this ideal person in the future for them that's how they're living. So you need to start changing those behaviours. And so when people say, this is for me a lifestyle change, and usually it's also a 12-month thing. When people, if someone comes and says, um, you know, if I say, how long do you realistically think this will take? Or do, you know, um, when when do you think that you'll achieve your goals by? If someone says, and I do a lot of like 12-week programming, but if someone yeah. says, I want this all to be achieved within 12 weeks, they're not for me because I know that they're likely not going to be successful uh, in my experience. So when someone says, oh, I'm looking, you know, long-term, I'm looking at least 12 months, bang, that's a green tick. I know this person is someone that I can work with because they're likely going to be successful because they're coming at it from the right, with the right mentality. They're coming long-term mindset. When they're saying, I want to do, uh, this is a lifestyle thing, those words, this is a lifestyle thing for me, is a green tick. If someone says, yeah. I just want to lose 10 kilos, I want to lose 20 kilos, pick any number, whatever, whatever body fat, whatever dress size, their results, it's like sport. You, If you go and look at the scoreboard and it's a game of football and you look at the scoreboard, the score is just the result. What's yeah. going to win you the game is your skills and your strategy, the game strategy. So, you know, there's four parts to sport. So technical, tech, uh, technical and tactical, so your skills and your strategy, your physical and your psychological, so your, your your psychology and your physical fitness. So that getting that stuff, that's your processes, which is the same as your behaviours, doing the behaviours of what you need to do, the result will take care of itself, whether that yeah. is to lose X amount of kilos or run, take X amount of time off your um, half marathon time. Yes, you do need to have some good strategy in terms of your training program to run that time or to take X amount off. But that's for the coach. For you, it's all about I just need to do the behaviours that my coach, who's like my strategist kind of thing, is going to set for me. It's all about consistent action that you're going to take. So when, so yeah, um, hearing you talk about that, it, mm. it's it's really important that people get that right. That it's okay to fail first of all. That that's actually a great thing, um, yeah. and that. 
it has to be a lifestyle thing because the results will take care of themselves once you get the lifestyle stuff right. Yeah, I think failure is just a part of growing and it's just a part of, like, your story. Like, you're not going to go and be the greatest at everything straight away. You're going to fail. It's just a part of learning. But I think giving yourself permission to say, oh, yep, I failed at that. I failed at that 12-week plan. I failed at that uh, very restrictive diet. Um, that actually going through those things and failing at them makes you realise that, okay, it's not a quick fix thing. And life is a long journey, hopefully. Mm. It's a long journey. Um, so use, like, your starting day as, like, the beginning of your long, like, uh, the way I'm looking at it now is, like, starting this program I'm starting it with the intention that I'm going to be running long into the future. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know because I've had cancer now. I've had it moved to my lymph node. It could come back, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on how I feel, what I can do, and what things I can do to make that good feeling of feeling strong last longer for me. Yeah, you just touched on being, you know, just controlling what you can control. If you, you can't control yeah. what you can't control. So yeah. focus on what you can control. And then one thing you can control is your thoughts. That comes first. So you're thinking that then leads into your feelings because if someone has a positive thought, it leads to a positive feeling, which then leads to a positive behaviour. If someone has a negative thought, it leads to a negative feeling, which leads to a negative behaviour. And so being able to catch any negative thoughts and flip them um, and have more positive thoughts leads into more positive feelings, more positive behaviours. So, yeah, yeah. I, like, uh, I love what you're saying there. Something I read, actually, I read a book, uh, The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. Um, oh, yeah. I read that. Someone told me to read it. So I read that because... Sometimes I feel like in the past I've been that person that's let, instead of just doing the action, the thought of like, oh, I don't feel energy, I don't have enough energy to do this, I don't have enough energy to go for a walk today, or I don't have enough energy for whatever it might be. So I read that book and now, yeah, I just think, oh, five, four, three, two, one, just do it, you know? I like that. When you, I, I didn't. When you start, when you're, you got to actually think, like when you're thinking those thoughts that I don't have enough energy, I'm too tired, <clears throat> it teaches you count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, go. Five, four, three, two, one, just do it. So I've been implementing that too for a few months now and um, I started implementing it for getting out of bed in the morning instead of hitting snooze, hear the, the alarm thing, oh, I want to hit snooze, five, four, three, two, one, just get up. And I've actually been jumping up out of bed. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like just changing your thought. It's not even giving your thoughts the space to think. It's actually just getting you into action. So that's something that I've found useful. Yeah, I like that because a lot of people say, oh, 
you know, I lack commitment, discipline, motivation. You know, the big one is like discipline, I think, is probably the most common of those three. Um, yeah. but people are like, oh, I'm just not motivated or I'm not motivated all the time or I see you doing X, so, you know, physical activity, so you must be motivated, you must be a disciplined person. They're all like muscles. They're just mental muscles that you flex because you have trained them. And so it takes time to practice and strengthen those traits. No one is chronically motivated. I'm not motivated all the time. There's there's more time. Actually, now I think about it, there's more times than not that I don't want to go and train, for example, myself, that I sit there, I come home and I sit down on the couch and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up and train. I'm too tired. I'm too this. I'm too that. But I just know that I've made, I want to make commitment to myself. But one of my tricks, I, I like that five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to try that. But one of the things I do is I just get up and just do the minimum. I'm just going to get up and just start doing something. There's absolutely no pressure. Like there's no commitment. If I'm going to go for a 5K run and I'm really not feeling it, just put my shoes on. Because once I get that, then I know it's likely that I'm then going to walk out the door. And if I walk out the door and lock the door behind me, it's more likely I'm going to walk out the gate. Once I'm out the front, then it's more likely that I'm going to start, you know, I might just start walking and then I kind of get bored of walking. So then I start to jog. That's just because it's me. Then, you know, they're, they're all little things. And same with like weights. I have stuff set up. I have my environment set up to be conducive for the life that I want to live. And so that's having like exercise equipment at the back of my house. So, oh, it's a weights day. I'm going to do weights today. Uh, you don't need to have like a, you know, a strength and conditioning um person you just need to start moving some weight for example so i just go i'm just going to do this exercise and so i'm just going to start doing you know whatever squats bench press whatever it might be and so i'm not going to make any commitment beyond that first exercise and i'll just see how i feel because once you get up and going your your physiology takes over and then you just end up like but but honestly from the very beginning there's no pressure to, to do anything, it's just get started. And if if there is a day, and there's been days, but if there's a day where I'm like, nah, I'm just not feeling, I'm just stuffed, I, I won't, I'll allow myself. Because then I'm proving to myself for the next time when I go, because otherwise I'll be like, yeah, yeah, you know, you said last time that, you know, you could stop, but then you force yourself to keep going, you're full of shit. So next time I'm not gonna like believe my own self-talk. So yeah. you do have to actually, if you, are struggling throughout the session and you've told yourself just to get started you do have to allow yourself to stop if you yeah. really don't want to continue that's fine but yeah. i guarantee you more often than not you just keep going and i but i think too at the start when you're just starting you're going to have those thoughts all the time oh i don't want to do it i don't want to feel like it or once you're a couple of weeks in and the the fun of it is worn off that's where i think mm. you've got to be in tune with your thoughts and then do something to quickly snap out of it. Yeah, so now you're sort of getting into like the order of ease for behaviour changes. So you've got five sort of steps. So you've got continue, do more, start, do less and stop. So the first three are all about behaviour creation and then the last two are about elimination. And so just to classify behaviours, you've got routines and you've got habits. A routine is a behavior which is frequent, so behaviors that you do all the time. And then a habit is a behavior which is automatic, so you just automatically do it. People say, I want to make exercise a habit. They don't necessarily want to make it a habit. They just want to make it a routine. They want to do it regularly. So 
where it becomes a habit through a whole bunch of stuff which happens at a cellular level down in the, um, in the neural system um, mainly and, uh, and also in the endocrine system but mainly in the neural system. Without getting into that, you are trying to think – so the, the first step to continue, look at what you already do. So that gives you a starting point. You can't grow, the, I like to say, you can't grow leaves on a tree without branches. So, you know, that gives that continue, like, look at what you already do. People go, oh, I don't do any physical activity. You do something. You might walk from your house, from your front door to your car. You might walk from your car to your office. You do something physical. That if as simple as it may seem, you are doing something. And then from mm-hmm. there, you can consider doing more, which is number two. And for that one, you think in terms of intensity and duration. So intensity being make it a little bit more intense, so maybe walk a little bit faster or maybe start to run and duration maybe go a little bit longer. So, for example, with the car at work example, do more might be park a little bit further away from work and then walk a little bit further or maybe just walk a little bit faster into the office or instead of, you know, um, walking up one flight of stairs, walk back down the stairs and back up again if you're taking the stairs. But if you're not taking the stairs, don't, and you're taking the lift, don't go jumping straight into taking the stairs because that's starting. That's a new behavior, taking the stairs over the lift. That's step three. Once you've done more of the behavior, then you can then start to add new exercises, which might be taking the stairs over the over the lift. Then from there, so they're all about creation, continue, do more and start. And the two which are about elimination are do less and stop. They are to eliminate, to reduce and to eliminate a behavior is much more difficult than um, creating a whole new, than starting a new behavior. It's like planting a tree versus removing a tree. It's much easier to plant it than what it is to remove a tree, especially when that tree or that plant is like a, a bit of a pest and like a, you know, um, like what's a plant, like those gingers or heliconias or something, they just go crazy once they're in the garden uh, and mm. they just spread. Removing them, they keep popping up. That's like triggers because you have all these triggers in your life that then want you to continue that behavior. So yeah. it's harder to reduce and eliminate a behavior. Um, it actually evokes similar feelings to that of like of loss, of grief. So build momentum first by introducing new, more conducive behaviors before you try and eliminate the less conducive behaviors. Yeah. Anyway, that was my yeah. <laughs> Um, what else? Yeah, cool. All right. Well, yeah, we might start to wrap up there. I think that's a good spot. I've got a 10 and 10. Unless you've got anything else that you want to say first, I'm going to get into this 10 and 10. As you've been talking, I've been taking notes, and I want to get your first thought that comes to mind when I say each of these. Um, so okay. before I do, uh, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom, advice for someone who's thinking about getting into um, getting physically active again? Uh, words of wisdom is... Just know where you're at and think about where you want to be and then what small steps you can take to just get started. Awesome. Erin, I want to thank you for your time on the Mind Your Body Show and acknowledge you for what you have been doing, first and foremost, for your kids and your partner, Stephen, um, over the years, now taking some time for yourself to do this uh, and all the people that you support. Uh, Is there a way that people can connect with you and contact you if they would like to? Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Erin underscore E underscore Wanganine. So if you just search Erin Wanganine, you'll find me there. We'll link that up in the show notes as well. All right, you ready for this 10 and 10? Yep. 
Okay, first thing that comes to mind when I say each of these, sisters. Love. Number two, sprinting. Fast. <laughs> Number three, getting into long distance running. Exciting. Number four, breast cancer. Hard. Number five, radiation. Pain. Number six, getting a new lease on life. Exciting. Number seven, overcoming barriers. Tough. Number eight, starting to run again. Exhausting. <laughs> Number nine, kids and your partner, Stephen. Home. And number 10 is a generic question which I ask everybody. That is, if you could go forward in time or back in time, knowing that you can come back to now, which would you go to and why? I'd go back in time and just hug all of my grandparents again. Interesting you say that because I, I've thought about this because I ask this on every episode. I would go back in time. I'd go back to, I don't know what age, sometime when I was young, maybe like around nine-ish, um, to a Christmas uh, dinner at our grandparents' place in the city. The house isn't there anymore. It's a unit block um, in Monolola Street. And I would go back to a Christmas that night because there were so many people there. It'd be like second and third cousins and people that were friends and like there's certain people around and it was such a good time. That's where I'd go back to. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might like, like that one as well. All right, yeah. Aaron, thank you for your time on the Mind Your Body Show. Thank you.